the title of our message, my, my message today is I've come to rescue. Now, uh, Rhonda, last week Rhonda said, are you done with the Beatitudes yet? <laughs> I guess that one didn't go over very well, that sermon, you know. I thought it was pretty good, but, you know, <laughs> under, under the disguise of can't you change your sermons, <laughs> what are you preaching on next week? I said, okay, I'll, find, I'll go to something else, all right. Uh, maybe I'll go back to the, the, the Beatitudes and just pick up the last ones because we're almost through them. So. so if you have your favorite text or scripture that you would like the pastor to speak on, let me know. I'm not saying I'll do it, but you can let me know. So the title of my message, I've Come to Rescue. Now, uh, we'll read in, in Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, and Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. When he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you, that I have sent you, that I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. The key verse is verse 8. And he says that I have come down to deliver them. <laughs> I have come to rescue. Now, whenever we start thinking about Moses and uh, all that he does for the children of Israel and going to Egypt and, you know, the, the plagues and the, going to the Red Sea and walking through the Red Sea on dry ground, we, we look at these things and we say, uh, well, Moses was the deliverer. No, Moses did not deliver Israel from Egypt. God did. And whenever we think of Moses, I think sometimes we can put ourselves in the place of Moses in that God calls us. Well, first of all, Moses, whenever he spends his first 40 years, he, you know, we know that his mother put him in a basket. The, the Egyptians had um, put out a decree to kill all male children because the slaves, there were more slaves than there were Egyptians, and they were afraid that the slaves would overpower them and overrun them. So 
they decided to kill all the male children. Well, Moses was born during that time, and his mother hid him, you know, because she recognized there was something special about him. And so she hid him for a number of months, and then when she couldn't keep him quiet, <laughs> I suppose she went to church a lot, you know, no, <laughs> keep your kids quiet, no. Uh, but anyhow, she, she couldn't keep him hidden any longer. She made this little ark, this basket, out of the, the reeds and put, waterproofed it and uh, sent it down the Nile. And we know that uh, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter or sister, I forget who it was. But anyhow, she found the basket and raised Moses as her own child. Well, you see, in our own life, I think that, number one, we were born for a purpose. <laughs> we were born for a purpose. Well, the Bible says that while you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew you. I formed you. I had a purpose for you. You see, it isn't, you know, the scripture says, maybe I'll have it here somewhere, but you were not born by the will of man or by the will of woman, but you were born by the will of God. And that God has a plan for each one of us. And just as Moses was unique in a time period in which he was born, we are unique in a time period in which we are born. <laughs> because we have a purpose. Now, sometimes we doubt that. Moses, he doubted it. Whenever God called him, God says, Moses, I want you to do this. And Moses said, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I wonder God would have probably had a heart attack if Moses said, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> God have a heart attack. But anyhow, God doesn't have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> so anyhow. See how easily I can become distracted by those crazy little thoughts? <laughs> You don't have those, do you? No, 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 all right, so. So we, um, so Moses says, I can't go. Moses also, he says, I can't, I can't talk. It is thought that Moses stuttered, that he was not able to speak fluently. And so he was told, God said, I'll, I'll, your brother Aaron, you go talk to him, you tell him what to say, and Aaron will speak for you. But Moses, you're going, <laughs> You're not going to get out of this. I've called you. I've chosen you. And so Moses is the one who's called to be the deliverer. But the challenge is God is the deliverer working through Moses. Hmm. You know, so in, in that way, we are just like Moses. That we are living our life, but God is the one who is living through us. See, whenever we give our life to Christ, we give our life to Christ and I am no long, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who lives in me. And I do not live by the power of the flesh, but I live by the power of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to abide within us. Whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes and abides with us. And the Bible says, if, if my Spirit abide with you, you can ask what you will, and I'll do it for you. It's like God is telling us that I'm going to abide inside of you. I'm going to live inside of this body of yours. And it's called the temple body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not the temple of David McGee. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we were created for a purpose and called by God to do a task in which we don't feel qualified. You know, um, our, our class that I graduated from high school with 50-some years ago, <laughs> um, yeah, that's old. But anyhow, 
we were, we, they have a monthly uh, lunch. And so this last week we were there. And, and, and they still, they, they can't get over that I'm a, a minister. Because I was so quiet. <laughs> Imagine that. I was very quiet. I didn't, you know, I just didn't talk to anybody. What for? They had nothing to say, you know. So most of them, they, they can't believe that I would be doing something that would be in front of individuals. And one of the, one of the guys who was one of the smart ones, you know, <laughs> in the class, you always have smart people, you know. And, there's a, and, and I mean, he was very intelligent. And uh, not a smart aleck, he was very intelligent. And he had my, in my book, you know, and he, he told me, he's, he was from the state of Indiana, and he came back just for this lunch because, you know, I guess he's retired too, so he had nothing to do. He came back for the lunch, and at, at the lunch he was saying, you know, your book is very good. It's well written. I think he was surprised because <laughs> he knew who I was. <laughs> but you see, we all have talents, but most of the time they have to be brought out. And in our life, if we feel like we don't have talents, we hide them. But you see, most of our talents are, they're not developed yet. Well, I'm 70 years old and your talents are here a little late on your talents, aren't you? Well, no. Because there's still talents and abilities that I still, I'm still living, so therefore I have things to do. And the talents that I have, you're not living on yesterday's you know, blessings. We're living on today's uh, blessings. Today what God is doing in our life. So he has a purpose for our life no matter what age we are. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when it's time for us to go home, we'll go home. But until then, we need to work until Jesus comes. Thank you. <laughs> I had the long rhetorical pause for an amen. So with all of these people that came to the uh, receive candy yesterday, the hundreds that came, and how diverse and how different they are, how then can we be used of God to reach the people that are in our community. Now, it's not, but the community is not only the, the, the community of a certain name, but a community of which we live is the people that we have contact with. And so we're asking God to be the one I have come to rescue. See, some people don't, this, this uh, Boy Scout was helping this lady across the street and this lady was just beating him over the head with her purse. And he got her across the street. And the guy said, boy, she wasn't appreciative of you leading, helping her across the street. Oh, that's okay. She didn't want to come. <laughs> In our life, we think God is beating us over the head. It's like, you're going to go this way, you know. But in our life, God has given us abilities and he's given us the strength and the insight. And I have come down to rescue. So we can get a hold of people. I'm here to rescue you. And they don't need rescued. They don't know that they need rescued. Some people are so far gone, they don't even know that they're lost. So what we're looking at is how that God can work through us like he worked through Moses. Well, we don't have Red Seas, and we don't have the Egyptians, 
bondage. But we do have people that are hurting that need a phone call. We do have people who maybe need somebody to listen to them. Maybe somebody just needs to say, hello, thank you, please. <laughs> Ask them for, give them something, whatever. You know, you know, whatever the need is, God is there to work through us. Now, God spoke this promise to Moses as a promise to those who were held captive in Egypt. And we know that they could not save themselves and that God did the work through Moses. So the message given by God will make a difference. The message given by God will make a difference. Now, now we back up to the deliverer, Moses. We back up to ourselves. The message given to us by God. Okay? Moses had tried to be the leader of his captive people. See, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was in line to be Pharaoh of Egypt. I mean, that's the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh of Egypt. And Moses was schooled, raised to be that person. Well, he decided that he'd rather be associated with his blood relations, Israel, the slaves, than he wanted to be related to the Egyptians. So he saw the Egyptians beating up on a slave, so he killed the Egyptians and buried them. You know, what else would you do? <laughs> And then, of course, they found out about it, and he ran away for 40 years. So Moses is 80 years old. He's 10 years older than I am right now. So I got 10 years before I really start working. <laughs> so, but he's 80 years old, and he's called by God to go back to the place he ran away from. In our life, we don't have to run away from anything especially ourselves. We don't run away from who we are because while you were yet in your mother's womb, God says, I created you. So God doesn't have a problem with who you are. God doesn't have a problem with our failures and our mistakes. God doesn't have a problem with our sins. You see, he died on the cross so our sins would be forgiven. He, he has washed us by the blood of the Lamb. He has written our name in his book of life. He has told us that from the very beginning I put plans together for you. Now I want to work through you as I work through Moses. But you see we have this problem like Moses. I'm just not good enough. <laughs> I stutter. I failed. I killed somebody. I can't go lead anyone. And God says, Moses? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> that would be us, you know. <laughs> Do this or else. It would be like the parents dragging their kids up to the, get a bag of cookies, you kid, you know. <laughs> God doesn't do that. So, Exodus 3, 8 says, So I have come down 
to rescue them and bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. <laughs> Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, You can enter true life only through the narrow gate. See, you see, there is a gate to hell and that is wide, and there are plenty of room, there's plenty of room on that road that leads there. Many people go that way, but the gate that opens the way to true life is narrow, and the road that leads there is hard to follow. Only a few people will find it. Now, sometimes we read that text that says that narrow is the gate that leads to heaven, broad is the one that goes to hell. Now, the narrow gate is, the reason it's a narrow gate is that Jesus is the only way. He is not one of many ways. He is, you know, there's not, you know, Buddha and, and Confucius and Jesus and Mohammed. Those are all ways to get to God. No. The Bible says there's only one way, and it's a narrow gate, and it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says, I am the gate. I am the door. He says, I am the way to God the Father. And anyone who comes must come through me. You see, God became man. See, this is, this is what makes Christianity so distinct and different, is that God became man. And then man, Jesus, became man because he had to die for the sin of humanity. And he came to die for our sins that the, the, the failures of our life might be washed away. Hmm. All of my failures, all of my sins, all of our, my, my mistakes, all of the guilt, all of the condemnation, all of the garbage is washed away. And God says, I remember it no more. So that's the narrow gate. Everything is washed away. Then it says, narrow is the way. And the reason the way appears to be narrow is there are boundaries. And inside of these boundaries, it's complete freedom to be ourselves. Now, the boundaries say don't kill, don't steal, don't lie about your neighbor, don't commit adultery, no fornication, no, have no other God before you. You see, the boundaries are there to keep us from falling off the cliff of wide road that goes to hell that is breaking God's command and saying, I don't need God's and I don't need his word. Those are the people that are on a broad way to, broad way to hell. <laughs> you know, we just said about Gretchen, when her dying and her passing, she was so peaceful. Uh, you know, one of the worst <laughs> deaths you ever want to be around is someone who is dying and going to hell. You <laughs> say, you've seen people going to hell? Yep. Because they've been hanging on the rails and saying, I'm on fire and I'm dying. <laughs> but you see, there is a way of peace that we are secure in our heart, we're secure in the heart of God, we're secure in the hands of God, and we know one thing. God created me because he loves me. And he has a purpose for my life. He has a calling upon me. And I am going to go through the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ. We just talked about it for, with communion. 
He died for our sins. I, forgive, I ask you for forgiveness. I've entered the gate. Now, we have this, this freedom of, in God to become who God has created us to be. He wants you and I in this land of more than enough. Tell them, you know, if you read through this, this, this scripture and it talks about Moses and how God is going to take them from the land of not enough, slavery, he's going to take them to the land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey, cattle and bees. <laughs> okay? Cattle and bees. Where do you find cattle and bees? Where there's grass and there's flowering plants, there's fruits. The bees are the pollinators. <laughs> and so there's a lot of fruits and there's a lot of gra grasslands and grazing lands and there's, so there's a rich soil for them to be an agricultural society. And God is going to take them from a land of not enough to a land of more than enough. But if you've ever been on an agricultural society, you've got to work for it. <laughs> you don't lay down on this job and say, bring it in. <laughs> bring in the harvest. Go milk the cows. Go milk the goats. <laughs> you go milk the goats. Oh, I forgot that's woman's work. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they went over for a little bit just kidding but in that day and age it was so God then in our life entered in the gate he wants us to go into that land of more than enough hmm. you see he wants to take you and I to the land of plenty a land where there is room a land where there's flowing increase. A land where there's water. There's a land where God provides. A land where we see the hand of God moving in such a way that it just seems like the natural chain of events. All this stuff comes together. He wants to live in a land, wants us to live in a land where you not only have enough for yourself, you have enough to bless others. And I always think of this illustration. You know, back in the Depression in days, you have a pie, okay? In the Depression, and when you're in a society like Egypt, in which they were slaves, you have a pie. And you say, well, I have five pieces of pie. And they're all cut equally. Well, everybody gets their own slice of the pie. But if someone takes more than their slice, someone else is cheated. And so we start not liking the person who took my piece of the pie. But you see, we're in God's kingdom, it's a land of more than enough. The pie is endless. And you can have as much as you can believe God for in your life. You, there's, there's more there than you can, you can possibly use. And there's more there that you can share with those who are in need. Because you don't have to worry about the restrictions. You have to see God as the abundance he wants to live. He wants you and I to live in this land and walk on the path that has boundaries. <laughs> and this path where there are boundaries says we love, we forgive. We are forgiven, so we forgive others. We don't harbor grudges. The people who try to trip us up, we've, we ask God to take care of them. You see... <laughs> 
If we're not in this good and spacious land, the challenge is that we'll be fighting for what is ours. But when we live in this land, the harvest is great and it's something to share. You see, Isaiah 54 says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, meaning the cords of the tent and the, and, and the stake and the strength and the strength your stake, strengthen your stakes. So go out and pound your stakes in, but pound them out further. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. So there was talking about, you know, enlargement and, and growing. And, and, and I believe, I believe that we are in a place where God is at work and he's going to do more than we thought possible. You know, God is at work doing work in our life and he's going to help us. You see, Moses didn't deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. God did. He came, worked through Moses. You're not going to be able to do all the things you dreamed of. But God can through you. That's who gave you the dreams. <laughs> That's who gave you the abilities, the talents that have to be developed. We are to realize here and now that this is not our permanent address. <laughs> that this is not all, here, this is all I own and I got to hold on because I don't want to lose anything. No, God is going to bless us in, this, in abundance and so that what we have we're able to share. And if we're not able to share the little things, we'll never be able to share the big things. So if we're not able to forgive the little people who step on our toes, we'll never be able to forgive the ones who have hit us over the head. So we forgive them both. Amen. Thank you. But we must remember in Zechariah 4.6, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. You see, it's by the spirit of God that these things take place. You know, it all sounds good. It all sounds good, but God, has, God is the one who brings it about. In the original Hebrew, the word spirit literally means breath. <laughs> so the breath of God blows upon our life you know i think of those those sailing ships you know with the big mass that if they're you know just think about if they have a destination in mind and they have the wind of the spirit behind them (laughs) one one person said if you have god's spirit blowing you in one direction you have the, the 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 opposing spirit pushing against you and, you know, I, I don't try to focus on the devil and all the bad things that the devil is and all the bad things that are going on in our world and evil people. You know what? God is greater than any evil and any evil plan because if the devil knew it all, he'd have never had Jesus crucified. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't know what, he knows that, he knows that if God works in your life to the fullest extent, he's got a problem. (laughs) That's what the devil knows. And so God is at work 
in our life and the breath of the Spirit in the sails of our ship is taking us to a destination that he has created for us and we are all hands on deck because we've got a job to do. We're not going to go off course, blown off course by temptations and trials that we're going to, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. It is going to happen because God breathes in our direction. God breathes in our direction. <laughs> Breathe on me, O breath of God. <laughs> Breathe on my life whenever I feel tempted and tried. Breathe on me whenever I question whether or not you're with me. Let your breath breathe on me that I may sense your spirit and that this is more than just me wanting to do something. This is you, O oh God, moving on my thoughts and my mind and my heart to work through me, to do something to make a difference in the world that I live. And you know, whenever you're making a difference in the world that you live in, God is making a difference in you. <laughs> and it seems like we grow and we develop. And we're continually growing and developing and changing. <laughs> you see, we may think we don't have, we don't know the right people. We don't have enough money. We don't feel as though you have the right talents. But you see, God in the wind of the Holy Spirit is breathing in your way and he will give you ideas. He will open the resources, the right connections, the right people will be where you need to be at the right time. <laughs> he was speaking about the football game the other night, and um, he was seated on uh, the bench with his leg up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cast, leg up, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he decided to get up and move. And when he moved... There, he got out of the way, the tackle came across and went over the bench and knocked it all over. <laughs> and had he not moved, he'd have been rolling down. <laughs> he'd been rolling over in the pile <laughs> with a broken leg sticking up in the air. Maybe the other one broken, you know. Hey, look at that guy with a broken leg in the air, you know. But it just seemed like a thing to do was to move. And I remember when, when David Michael was little and he was in a stroller we were paying, playing softball with one of the church leagues. And Rhonda went over and picked him up and was holding him. And somebody overthrew the ball and it hit right smack in the, in the stroller. But he wasn't there. It just seemed like the natural thing to do. And when the breath of God breathes on you, is breathing on us, it will seem like the natural thing to do. And it will be when Moses said yes, God went with him, went before him. And so what we are doing is saying yes. Yes to God. Because we want God to move through us. Amen? Shall we stand?
1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful, marvelous light. That's you. That's us. <laughs> We've been called by God just as Moses was called. God has called us. We are a chosen person, chosen by God. Why? You're chosen because you sense that spirit in your heart. He's chosen you. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. God, we pray that the breath of your spirit would just flow over us. That, God, that we would sense your spirits move in our hearts and minds. Not that we would be afraid, but that, God, we would sense that we are loved. That you love us, Lord, more than we could ever imagine. You have a purpose for which we haven't even begun to imagine or think. So, Lord, thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you for having a purpose for my life. Now, lead me and guide me. Prepare me for this day, for tomorrow. And, Lord, we will give you praise. Amen? God, we thank you. Amen.